Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Drone Life News. Joining me, as always, is the editor in chief of dronelife.com. You know her, I know her as Miss Miriam McNabb. Miriam, how are you doing? I am doing excellent. As always, happy to be here with you. How are you? Doing great, doing great. I uh, greatly appreciate all the smiles as usual, uh, which I think will bring us into our first piece of news. You know, Miriam, I was I was going to say, I thought a lot of people would really be smiling about the Mavic 3 release. And uh, it seems like, well, that may not be the entire case. But nonetheless, Miriam, this, this new drone did just come out. And for those who haven't uh, been privy to this news just yet, uh, what is in this new Mavic 3? So Mavic 3, it had been teased for months um, as, you know, new Mavic Mavic products or new DJI products um, often are. You know, at Drone Life, we kind of just do it when it's released. We say what the final um, specs and features are. We put it out there. You know, this is uh, the next release of the very, very popular Mavic. It has a longer flight endurance, 45 minutes. It's got dual sensors. It's got 4K video. You know, DJI certainly sort of touting this as um, sort of next level for content creators. And and again, DJI's marketing, as we've mentioned before, is really shifting to this kind of prosumer content creator space in addition to the commercial and professional uh, applications for their drones. So, you know, that's from the drone life perspective. That's what it is. We rely on people like you to tell us sort of how it's working and what you're hearing from the flying community about the DJI Mavic 3 release. What do you think? Well, Miriam, you bring up some really important points. Uh, Drone Deploy this weekend mentioned that the Mavic 3 does not offer an SDK or a software developer kit. What this means is that any third-party application that drone pilots are used to using will not, well, work on the Mavic 3. That also includes things like Drone Deploy, things like Pix4D Capture, things like Litchi, which really hinders the value of the drone itself. As you know, we had written an article kind of comparing the Mavic 3 price point to the true value, stating that if this drone could do mapping uh, with the dual cameras, it could be fantastic for inspections, industrial work, and commercial work as a whole. But because the drone does not actually have a mechanical shutter, even though the leaks showcase that it did, and it does not have this SDK, it really limits the value of the aircraft as a whole. And if you tack on the fact that the drone is really being flown by the DJI Fly app, they have further kind of dumbed down the user experience and eliminated some extremely important safety features, like being able to see the battery's voltage on main screen. So these things kind of combined have really uh, showcased, well, maybe not as much of an eccentric interest in the drone. We had launched an Instagram poll asking people, well, now that the Mavic 3 has come out, are you going to be buying one? And surprisingly enough, 78% of the almost 1,000 people that had answered the poll said no, that they were not 
going to buy that drone, which I found honestly pretty interesting. Now, I've got a question for you as, you know, a lot of people are assuming that as soon as a new drone comes out, that it essentially replaces a bunch of other new drones. But is that really the case? It really isn't. And, um, you know, Paul, you and I have have mentioned this before, but the research doesn't bear that out. In fact, the fleet is very slow to change, really. Of course, there are always new companies utilizing drone technology. There are companies expanding their fleet and buying new tools. But a lot of the one and two man, uh, one and two drone shops out there doing professional drone work are very slow to change their fleet. I mean, fleet information, even as recently as a couple of years ago, showed the 3DR Solo as sort of the number five on the list. You know, um, people really don't get rid of their drones until they have to or until there's a very compelling reason to upgrade. I got to ask you, Paul, what do you think, you know, we just mentioned that DJI's marketing, I have noticed uh, in the releases that I get, has shifted towards this kind of content creator audience. And you wonder if maybe they're going back to their roots and and saying, hey, we'll focus um, in on that recreational audience again. Um, Certainly with no SDK. And if you can't use some of the really important tools in the drone ecosystem, like a drone deploy, uh, that's going to limit the value for professionals or, or people flying for commercial applications like construction, inspection, and so forth. Yeah, you know, it does beg the question of if their direction is kind of to uh, to service the more creative, recreational kind of uh, gamut of the industry. Although I'm not really sure that that is the case when you also consider the price point as a whole. Uh, You know, Rob and I were just discussing uh, the amortization schedule of this type of drone, meaning how long is it going to take us to essentially pay off this drone under normal working conditions. And with the lack of SDK, uh, because the Mavic 3 doesn't fly, uh, you know, as aggressively as something like an Inspire 2, you're really limited in the proximity of shots that you can get, the complexity of shots that you can get. Without the SDK, you know, you're really limited on the uh, industrial work that you can do, roof inspections and such. And so it would take a significantly more amount of time to be able to cover the cost of this drone and profit off of it. And, you know, with all of that said, you know, even if you're a recreational pilot, you are typically thinking about, okay, how much do I really need to use this to make it worth it? And the calculation is is pretty expansive, frankly. And so are they trying to service the creative community? Um, Maybe. Maybe they just haven't released the SDK yet. Maybe this drone uh, wasn't fully ready to go, but they wanted to launch it ahead of the holiday season because all of the competitors' drones you simply can't buy right now. I mean, we saw this morning that Autel... Uh, on the B&H website, you can't buy any of their drones until next year. So I think maybe instead of focusing on, say, the recreational community, I think DJI is trying to capitalize on the lack of available products on the market as a whole. Yeah, maybe. Um Maybe. I mean, certainly they are still absolutely the dominant providers uh, in the marketplace. So, yeah, 100%. And for people coming into, I think, um, for newcomers into the drone industry, 
factory. If you see kind of the latest model, that's in general your choice. You don't tend to compare the Mavic 3 with the Mavic 2, right, and say, oh, I think I'll go with the Mavic 2 if you're just coming into the industry and you're buying your first drone. Yeah, that's a very important point. Which brings us to our next story, which also involves a Mavic. It's just not a new Mavic. And this might actually be the first case or the first published case that we have seen of extremely nefarious behavior with drones. Miriam, I've got to say, when I read this story on your site, I was kind of like, ooh, uh, I... uh, uh, it was. It's not. Uh, it's not really. A it's story. not good. Yeah, that brings you <laughs> happiness. So what's going on here? It is not good. Yeah, unfortunately, um, a report from the Joint Intelligence Bureau, uh, which was released, it was reported by um, the Drive and by ABC News. Um, also. Uh, identified an incident uh, that occurred earlier with a modified DJI Mavic 2. Some uh, nefarious pilot modified their DJI Mavic 2 in order to attack a an electricity substation. So this is, as far as we know, or as far as has been reported and documented by, um, you know, the U.S. security forces, the first real attempt that we've seen um, by a drone on our electrical infrastructure, our power infrastructure, let's put it that way. So... Very unfortunate. Um, it did not succeed. And I think that uh, certainly all of the powers that be are are supremely aware now that these kinds of attacks um, can occur. I think we are seeing many more protections go into place and more counter drone solutions being put into place over our infrastructure. But again, this is a recurring theme. People need to think of security and defense now in three dimensions. It's not enough to have a fence. You've got to have um, something over the top to to protect any kind of, of infrastructure. So the good news, it was not successful. The bad news is that, um, you know, someone a little smarter might have been. <laughs> so... Well, I mean, most pilots try to avoid hitting power lines at all costs because we know the catastrophic uh, consequences of doing so. Do we have any information on who was flying the drone or if they're able to track that person down? I don't know the answer to that. No, they definitely found the drone and they were able to, um, you know, pull it apart and see how that it had been modified uh, for this purpose. So this was, the, I guess the modification part was, um, is really just to say there's no doubt that this was a purposeful act. This was not an accident. You know, it wasn't somebody, it wasn't clueless or careless. It was criminal. Um, and so very unfortunate, but I think it's going to wake everybody up and um, help everybody to understand that certainly the professionals need to be very, very careful uh, not to make mistakes where they can be misidentified as a problem. And, um, 
you know, those those secure uh, areas do need to be secured in three dimensions. And and I'll go back to something that I say about this kind of thing a lot, Paul, which is, you know, people use cars for bad things. You know, I'm I'm in Boston around the courthouse in Boston. You see these gigantic, hideous cement balls all around the courthouse designed so that you cannot drive a van directly into the courthouse, you know, um, to keep cars away because cars can cause damage. You know, they they can um you can put a bomb in a car, you can do whatever. So, so, you know, we are accustomed to the fact that we need cars. There are going to be cars around. Cars are incredibly useful. Uh, our society relies upon them, but we need to protect, you know, sensitive infrastructure or, or whatever from a nefarious actor using a car to do damage. And, you know, that's, the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I know you have been getting a lot of questions about this particular story. And in an effort of comedic relief, uh, are you sure that this drone pilot wasn't trying to inductively charge his drone? I did get asked that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I don't know about you. Pretty sure they weren't just trying to charge their drone. It would take it would take a induction coil, a receiver coil, and then a regulator. It would it would, it would take a lot of infrastructure. Just buy a new battery. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure that's not what that was happening. Oh wow! Well, um, man, there's a lot of things that are really going on uh, in the industry on kind of on both ends. It seems like in the in the reminder of security but also in uh, how available drones are are right now and how available that they will be in the future as a whole. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, think back, Paul, to, to I always, I always um, found this sort of humorous. Um, it provided many, many, many great stories for drone life, right? When drone registration came into being and, uh, it was pushed through before the holiday season and uh, then, of course, subsequently struck down because it, it hadn't been um, open for the comment period and, and so forth. It, it wasn't put in place in the correct uh, way. But the reasoning for sort of pushing through drone registration was because Christmas was coming and that was an emergency because you were going to have millions and millions of drones under the under the Christmas tree. And the idea that that sort of, you know, Christmas is an unforeseen emergency always struck me as as pretty funny. But Um, but I did get the point, you know, it was, it was a new and burgeoning hobby and there were going to be a lot of these in the hands of maybe not skilled pilots very quickly. (laughs) Well, and look at, look at history. It's shown of just how safe these millions of drones have truly been. So, which I think is a data point in itself, uh, for our friends that regulate aviation, well, uh, I know we've got these two stories uh, regarding Mavics as a whole. Is there anything else that we are missing for this week, Miriam? Here's another one that I thought was really interesting. And this is Alterian, who do the open source uh, drone platform. 
how Tyrion is based in Europe. And um, they just hired a new president for their government solutions section. And, you know, normally I don't really report on staffing and, and new people coming in, uh, rarely. But this I actually thought was interesting because it shows that Alterian's really pushing forward with this idea of providing open source drones technology for government solutions. The idea being that what everybody knows is the safest possible solution. So um, they really believe that open source is the way to go, that open source provides ultimately the most secure and trusted solution for for governments. And so that's really an interesting an interesting approach, I think, um, that it's worth watching and, and worth seeing. And as more and more products are developed on the Alterian platform, we are seeing sort of more options out there and, and more things available. So I'm uh, interested to see where that story goes. Yeah, definitely interested to see, too, if I mean, if they're using moving that whole unit stateside, what does that mean for their drones, blue SUAS uh, and the like? Uh, Because it seems like there's a lot there for sure. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I have one more thing that I have to tell you, which is that if anybody gets a chance to check out Exploration Station, that's Exploration Station. Life 2.0 is the name of the show. It's a STEM education show for kids like, you know. Um, for everybody. And the latest episode is on drones. And I'm in it. Oh, cool. Very exciting. (laughs) Very exciting. Check it out if you get a chance. Awesome. We'll definitely have to check that out, Miriam. Thank you again uh, for joining me and and educating all of us on what's going on in the industry. We all, myself included, appreciate it. Always fun to be here. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. If you uh, leave us, leave us a comment, leave us a review, let us know what you thought of the show this week. Very curious too, as to your response on the Mavic 3. Will you be buying one? Is it something that you're interested in? Does it help the domestic manufacturers? All these questions and more, but thank you again for joining us on another edition of Drone Life News.